data-driven podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data-Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. So welcome to the Data-Driven Podcast, where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data-Driven Podcast is here to guide you along your journey. I'm the host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Today, we're going to hear about data-driven AI solutions for business efficiency. Joining us is Matt Kilmartin, CEO at Habu, and Matthew Karasik, the CPO at Habu. Habu is a global leader in data cleanroom software, enabling companies to benefit from the value of data without the risk. Habu connects data internally and externally with other departments, partners, customers, and providers in a privacy-safe and compliant way, allowing better collaboration, decision-making, and results. Yesterday, Matt and Matthew and I discussed AI data in clean rooms. Today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss utilizing data to drive smart business outcomes. Here's my conversation with Matt Kilmartin and Matthew Karasik from Habu. Okay, thanks for joining us again, Matt and Matthew. So utilizing data to drive smart business outcomes, can you tell us some examples of what a smart business outcome looks like that your customers have been able to get to? Yeah. I mean, I'd say a smart business outcome is some of our customers are in the media and entertainment vertical and being able to leverage data to drive smarter consumer engagement, to deliver more relevant personalized advertising, to be able to leverage data to to make best use of marketing investment dollars. Those are all smarter business outcomes. And so our software, Data Cleanroom Software, provides access to protected data sets to help these some of these marketers leverage that data to drive smarter business outcomes around their consumer engagement and marketing efforts. Cool. That sounds like a major sort of use case for these clean rooms, right? Sure. Is uh, marketing. And in the last episode, we talked about a few instances that touched on marketing. Can we dive deeper into the potential for marketing? with using clean rooms for these smart business outcomes? Yeah, I mean, I think the potential at the end of the day, if you think of a brand like Pepsi, right, who's a customer of Habu's, so much of Pepsi's beverage products, snack products are sold in grocery stores and convenience stores all around the world. So much of their engagement with consumers is TV advertising, brand sponsorships, sports sponsorships, And so as much as Pepsi is obviously investing in direct relationships with consumers and having a one-to-one relationship, the reality is is people are touching Pepsi's products, snack products, beverage products all all around the world via a variety of different channels. And so ultimately what we do is we help Pepsi get a visibility into all those different consumer touch points from a data perspective. And it's not just data either. Pepsi is a very sophisticated, one of the most sophisticated CPG companies around sorry what's a cpg excuse me fmcg oh fmcg yes okay (laughs) it's the same thing so cpg is consumer product goods fmcg is fast moving consumer goods but pepsi is very sophisticated on knowing people's propensity to buy different products right 
and they can run these models on their own data sets. But if they can start to run these propensity to buy different snack products on other people's data sets, on retailers' data sets, it's massive potential, right? And so the fascinating thing about Pepsi is we've talked a lot about marketing. Pepsi is also, you know, this whole concept of being able to produce a better business outcome by getting access to data you can't get. Pepsi is also starting to use Habu in the supply chain where they're actually getting access to data sets there to improve their supply chain as well. So the possibilities for data cleanrooms, data collaboration are massive and, and we're already seeing it with, with some sophisticated customers like Pepsi. That's great. Okay. So can we talk a bit more about propensity to buy models? I think that'd be an interesting topic to go a little bit deeper into. So Pepsi is collaborating with presumably people at point of sale. So maybe it's your Kroger's, maybe it's 7-Eleven. Um, is that the sort of data that they'd be bringing in? Absolutely. So, you know, they're retail distribution partners for sure, as well as other data providers. You know, very often these clean rooms are not just two parties. It can be N parties. And so, you know, there's then data providers who can also offer additional attributes and enrichment. There's location data providers who can come in. And so the art of the possible is it really expands because, mm -hmm. again, you're going to be able to access more data than previously because uh, you're going to be able to find partners to say, hey, I want to use data, but only for this reason. And that would take, you know, no's and turn them into yeses. And so then they're able to, you know, within these cleanroom environments, dynamically train new models, then use these models on new data sets to create propensity scores and use that to push out, you know, smart marketing segments to all of their media channels and then be able to measure their efficacy back, back again in that cleanroom, mm -hmm. right? The, the marketing industry has long known that user level and event level data is the right way to achieve the best results. It's just that the industry for too long did it all on data transfer, right? I'll, mm. I'll send you log files or we'll put up 30 pixels on our website and centralize data. And that's going away as it should, right? People shouldn't be copying and materializing and sending this data in this way. It's super leaky and error prone. And so now they're able to come in here and accomplish those the same propensity models off of data sets just in privacy safe ways. Right. This is a bit embarrassing, but I remember uh, earlier in my career collaborating with some partners that we worked with. I was in the procurement space and transferring, handing them files on uh, flash drives and going, um, maybe putting a password on it or something. And that was my control. So I guess I've come a long way since there. Well, I'm old enough to have been doing it with a disk before <laughs> there was a flash drive. So Yes, we've been doing it the wrong way for a long time. Okay. Now, what sounds really interesting here is the possibility of connecting more than the data of two parties. So if you imagine Pepsi in the middle, are they building models or customers like Pepsi building models where they've got their marketing data from the platforms and then they've got their first party data and then they've got the point of sale data and all of that data is integrated and they're building a model with all of it, perhaps from many, many different third parties. Absolutely. And to accomplish it all, there may be another party in there, which is someone bringing an identity spine. So absolutely. You know, again, Matt started this by saying, you know, we wince a little bit at the term clean room. It, it denotes these four walls in a physical location. And it is not that right. It's a mm. software construct and a set of technical guarantees you wrap around these use cases. And so, 
yes, you're able to, to create those data connections and bring them in with, with end parties. And is there some efficiency there if Pepsi says, hey, this is the sort of data that I'd be comfortable sharing with any point of sale party? Can they set it up once and then it's just a matter of onboarding the next partner and there's not really much work to do? That's exactly right. And that's, you know, that's one of the other, you know, huge benefits of that our customers look to Habu to is to be able to do this at scale, right? You know, this whole data collaboration thing was new two, two and a half years ago. But at this point, we now have customers doing this in the hundreds or thousands of scale. And so, you know, using Habu, you connect to your source data once Mm -hmm. and then that is done. And then you're able to use those data connections with every one of your collaborations, being able to apply different rules, different constraints per collaboration with a few clicks of a button. And these use cases that you author, you know, uh, you do so using a templating system, right? If you're going to have a methodology, if you're a CPG company who's collaborating with many retailers, we're certainly not going to ask you to author that methodology each and every time with every one of your retailers. Rather, you're able to create a template. And that template, you're referring to your partner's data in the abstract because you don't have access to it. So you're able to say, hey, I want to join this with transaction data. I want to use the price field and then create that template once. And then as your retail partner comes in, they map their data to that template and everything can run without you ever having to get access directly to the source. Can we have a look at the experience of an analyst? So let's say I'm an analyst at uh, Kroger and I've got access to Pepsi's data through Habu, which is great. So what's my experience like? Am I logging into Habu and doing everything within Habu? And can I bring in all of my first party data and use that in some way, including the data that I don't want Pepsi to see? Yep. So again, People aren't using this to give each other access to the source, but rather to author and implement use cases that use each other's Mm -hmm. data. So for an analyst, the first step they would do is create data connections to their data. And doing so doesn't move data, doesn't give anyone access to it. It simply establishes a pipe. Next, I'm going to then come into a clean room. I'll invite my partners, and that's where I will author these analytical templates, queries, Python code, ML code, whatever it may be. I'll author those, or you can choose from Habu as a a library of templated use cases you can grab off the shelf. I will implement these use cases. I'll then invite my partner to do the same thing and connect their data to these use cases. And now sort of the setup piece is done. Next, I or the business teams that depend on me or other systems that I've integrated will now run those analytics, those use cases we've implemented. So a user will get to click in, see a natural language question that says, you know, how many of my loyalty customers, you know, bought in the last week in this store? And I'll then be able to enter in the runtime parameters, click go, and output comes out. Now I get the answer. Now, all of the output from all of my clean rooms is now available for me to, you know, use to create reports, dashboards, you know, BI, and that's where I might be then doing the analysis is on that sort of privacy safe 
protected output that came out of the clean room. And I could do that in Habu. Habu has an embedded BI layer, or I can just create a pipeline out to my own environment if I want to use my own BI environment. Okay. So you might end up with some data that is processed uh, based on the partner's data, and then you can download it, and it's not going to expose any information the partner didn't want you to have. And then you can download it and go to town on it outside Habu as well. That's exactly right. That's great. Okay, to round us out, let's bring it back to smart business outcomes. So we've talked about uh, a few things like uh, an example with Pepsi, propensity to buy models. Can we pick one to go into? And I'd love to get a story of a use case and the value it's delivered. Indeed is an incredibly sophisticated marketer, right? They, everything they do is uh, very science-driven. And so they measure everything using an incrementality um, methodology where they conduct experiments with testing control groups. In order to create you know, consistent, true testing control groups in, with a segmentation scheme that leverages all of the power of Indeed, what Indeed knows about its yep. customers. And Indeed is the job platform? About... Okay. Yep, yep, that's right, exactly, in, in, in Indeed.com. And so using clean rooms, Indeed and Disney were able to create a segmentation strategy that utilized the power of both of their data, separate the audiences into consistent test and control groups, run the ads where Indeed would know which of the folks in each group did behaviors on Indeed that they wanted, and Disney knew which of the test and control group were exposed. And then using a, me a measurement methodology in the clean room, which could only be accomplished at the user level from both parties where conversions were, were things only Indeed could see and exposure were things only Disney could see, they were able to create the aggregate privatized incrementality output and calculate the exact lift and impact that Indeed experienced on, in its advertising on Disney without either party ever having to give access to the actual user level data below the, under the hood. The underlying situation is Indeed is a customer of Disney that advertises on their channels and promotes their job boards? That, that's exactly okay. right. And... You know, a quick nod there is that not only is Indeed a customer of Disney, I have good confidence Indeed will continue to be and will grow because of how strategic they are able to implement marketing the way they want to within the Disney ecosystem because of these capabilities, right? If they go to another marketing channel where they're not able to be as precise and scientific, it's going to be harder for them to know exactly what value they're getting. And so this ends up being a win-win for all parties. So in simple terms, I guess the smart business outcome is Indeed was able to get more confidence that the ads they're paying for on Disney's channels are shown at the right times, targeted to the right audience that's actually going to convert and go onto their site. Absolutely. They were able to scientifically calculate the exact impact that those ads had on the outcome by comparing what the behavior of the exposed group had versus those who were held out deliberately. Okay, and that's what we mean by the incrementality between the test. That's exactly and, right. Okay. That's exactly right. Okay, that's awesome. Thanks. I think that's a great example of a very smart business outcome by utilizing data 
within clean rooms on a platform like Haboo. So thank you, Matt and Matthew, for sharing. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Thanks, guys. I just wanted to say thanks for coming on. As you can tell, I didn't know much about this topic, so I learned a lot today, and that was great for me. Yeah, I was impressed with your outtake. I was going to see if you wanted to come work in marketing here. It was pretty good. <laughs> so, awesome. Well, thanks, thanks for the, guys. Thanks, for, thanks, for, the, thanks right. for the time. Appreciate it. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was great. Cheers. I'll, I'll add you guys on LinkedIn and stay in touch. Just uh, reach out anytime. Cool. Thank right. you. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Catch up. Okay. That wraps up this episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks to Matt Kilman and Matthew Karasik the CEO and CPO respectively at Haboo for joining us. If you would like to contact Matt and Matthew, you can find a link to their LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact them on Twitter where their handles are at Matt Kilmartin or visit their company website at Haboo.com. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com. We've got summaries of all our episodes and contact information for our guests. And if you want to share your most compelling use cases of business data, you can apply to be a guest speaker on the Data Driven Podcast. Of course, you can always contact me directly. Just search for Dominic Bohan on LinkedIn. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. Until next time, remember, when it comes to data, less is more.